0: So, I was invited into my pastor's wife's office, and she gave me the option of either praying the gay away with her right there, or or I could um, lose my job like both jobs that I had at the church. I could still come to church, but I would lose all opportunities at leadership. And I walked out of there. I told her, No, thank you. (laughs) And I walked out of there, and I never went back.
1: Hey, everybody, I want to welcome you to another episode of the Lenses Podcast. And today I have just such a great guest. I am I am so excited. I've been looking forward to this conversation for a while now. Um, I'm going to say right now, one of the most interesting people I have ever met in my life. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I say it with all the with full intent and meaning of it. it it's uh, This is going to be a fun conversation. And... Um, and I think it's going to be a very eye-opening conversation as well, which of, which of course is what we're really going for on this podcast too. So I'm so appreciative that, uh, that you've chosen to be a part. So who am I talking to today? Today I'm talking with Fitz Emerald Fitzpatrick. And so Fitz, say hi to everybody.
0: Hi everyone.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now, when I when I asked you for uh, for your identifying lenses or, or which which lenses can we kind of focus on, um, I got a list, and so <laughs> we're just gonna gotta go through some of those right now. Um, so the lenses that uh, that you uh, are that you're wanting to identify through, on, for the sake of this conversation, are queer, non-binary, mm-hmm. plus-sized, white person. Living yep. with a mental illness disability.
0: Indeed, perfect.
1: That's yeah, yeah. So, so we have things. nothing, <laughs> nothing to talk about today. We have nope. there's just this would be totally bland and uninteresting for us to to talk about today. Yeah. So
0: I joke that um, one of my mantras is uh, "Don't be boring." It's one of my <laughs> <laughs> that I say to myself.
1: <laughs> That's great. That's yeah. fantastic. Um, and uh, and in addition to that, just part of your story. We're going to get into your story today. Um, you grew up in a in a middle class household,
0: yes, um, but then at
1: one point in time, uh, you actually became homeless, and so yes. you have experienced that as well. So, I mean, that'd be something that we can certainly talk about. Um, you grew up evangelical, and now, and this is this, I'm sure we can talk about a bit. Yeah, I, I, I'm so fascinated with this. Grew up evangelical, and now uh, a pantheist interfaith witch.
0: Yes, so and I actually honestly- with the um with the growing up evangelical, I actually grew up in a kind of vaguely interfaith household, and then became an evangelical on purpose to the complete chagrin of my parents, the oh, complete oh. horror of my parents. When so I was- evangelical
1: was your rebellion.
0: Yes, 100%. I became a super conservative evangelical for a minute and that was absolutely my rebellion, 100%. Wow,
1: okay, okay. And so the interfaith pantheist witch is almost moving back towards center for you. Uh,
0: That's kind of how I felt. Oh,
1: so interesting. So interesting. interesting. (laughs) Okay, great. Um, okay. And then, uh, and then I asked you too about, you know, what are you, what are you currently involved in? You're currently a, a mental health counseling master student at Northwestern university.
0: Yes. Um,
1: so that's a long ways from homelessness. So that's, so that, again. <laughs>
0: yeah, I was homeless for a part of my undergrad. So it's oh so gosh. nice to, yeah, yeah, I was a running start student and became homeless my senior year of high school, which was my sophomore year in college. Got it. Um, and it's amazing to be in school and have housing and have regular money from school
1: yeah yeah yeah. no doubt okay good i highly
0: and then recommend just it. in
1: <laughs> and then just in all of your spare time you're also a a freelance yoga teacher and a yes. reiki practitioner mm-hmm. so yeah just just when you don't have anything else to do so yeah
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> um and then uh in, in other things that you're involved in um you this is again, I, 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 mean, I keep saying this is interesting, but I, I should stop saying that because I'm just going to say it all throughout the entire podcast. That's so okay. it's going to be on a loop. Um, but you're on the steering committee of the Peace and Justice Action League of Spokane. Yes. And you volunteered with them for about a decade now. Mm-hmm, so,
0: since I was a teenager. Okay.
1: Yeah. So through a lot of transitions of your life, you've been a part of Yeah. This yes. They,
0: they've been there with me through all, through all of it pretty much. Yeah. They're a wonderful yeah. community for me
1: and and not that you aren't fascinating enough as is but also one of the uh, one of the the hosts hosts and organizers and really that's what it you like and this is how I know you because of of Danielle um,
0: right.
1: who which by the time this episode airs her episode will have aired as well so, yeah. so the audience will know who Danielle is I can't wait um, to hear
0: her episode Yeah
1: <laughs> but you guys uh, together you organized and founded the Broken Mic um, it what uh, broken mic event? Broken mic club? What is?
0: Uh, broken mic poetry open mic, and actually, our um friends. Uh, <laughs> funny me and Danielle. Uh, her ex is my current partner, and that is who originally founded Broken Mic. <laughs> um, okay, and then Danielle became an organizer of the Spokane Poetry Slam, which is a sister event to Broken Mic. Okay, and I okay. became one of the organizers of Broken Mic, which is just an open mic and not a slam.
1: Got it. So, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So Super just a little, not complicated. So just a, a <laughs> sprinkling of poetry in there as well. Yep. Just, a in, just a sprinkling in everything else. Yeah. And then um, when I asked you what you're most passionate about, um, you identified helping queer and transgender young people stay alive mm-hmm. um, and express their authentic selves. Uh, which at one point in time, in my life, I'll be honest, I would have thought was just, I mean, it was, it was just phraseology that you were using, you know? Yeah. I want to help them stay alive kind of thing, which to now I understand you literally mean help them stay alive.
0: Yes. yes. Yeah. And I actually, right before this conversation, I went and like uh, peeked at the statistics again, because I figured this would come up in conversation. Yeah. Um. And uh, you know, the attempted suicide rate for cisgender youth, which is just youth whose gender match up with their assigned sex at birth, um, is around 7%. And then for transgender youth in the past year, over 35% of them have attempted suicide. Mm. So mm. I, yes, I mean it very, very literally, very
1: literally. Yeah. 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 All right. It, there's some more here too, but we can, I, I think we want to, you know, probably can kind of touch yeah. on, on some of these things. I, 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 I feel like we have a good jumping off point yes, now. We do. So <laughs> yeah. I feel like we've laid a foundation, you know. Um and so really what I am just uh what I'm so fascinated to do today um is is just to to hear you uh hear you tell uh, bits of your story i mean obviously within you know within an hour long podcast we're not going to get the entire full story of yeah. you
0: oh it's but thick. to yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> um but just to you know to to just get like this like this little sliver of of like how how have you become who you are today mm-hmm. because uh the one thing that you know going through all this that i i see is just transitions 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 yeah. i mean you you've just And like you have, um, and, and I'm sure that it's all, it's not one big romantic story. I'm sure there's difficulty and there's horror and there's all that that's mixed in as well. Um, but you, you seem like an incredibly brave and adventurous person to me. Um, and so, well, I, I
0: think brave is a a good word. Um, I think of brave as like you know, not the absence of fear, but doing things despite the fact that they Mm. scare the crap out of you. And that would be like my other main mantra in life. (laughs) Um, Doing, you know, doing things even though they scare the crap out of me. Uh, Despite skydiving, I never wanted to do that. I think that's a terrible idea.
1: But. Well, you know, there's <laughs> there's there's things you do to enhance, li- or to to find yourself in life, yeah. and then there is things that you do to you know challenge yourself in life, and you know, I I don't know where that skydiving falls in, but it might be you know one yeah. of the other things. So,
0: yeah.
1: Um, before we really get started, there's I I want to make one more connection point between you and I, mm-hmm. um, because you. Like you personally opened my eyes to a whole other reality that I didn't even know existed. All right, so wow. I first met you. Um, I don't know, was it a couple of years ago now? Um, when when I was working for a, a certain retail store, and and you came in to apply for a position. And, yes. uh, and Danielle being our, um, being our mutual friend, Danielle had a little talk with me oh <laughs> and she said, and she said, yeah. listen, I just want to let you know, there's a, there's some, I just want, there's some things I want you to understand. And the first thing I, you know, and she, she explained how, um, how you being non-binary, uh, you preferred they, them, theirs pronouns. Um, and I'll be honest with you, Fitz, Never had heard that before. Never right. had heard that before. It's before still trickling
0: you. into Spokane. It's still really yeah. is tri- trickling in over here. Yeah.
1: And so it was like, like, like my eyes wide open to what I'm like, wait there's there's a whole other lens that exists out here there's a whole yeah. other reality that exists out here and right. um and so we didn't we didn't have a lot of engagement in that but um but Danielle used that opportunity with me to um to educate me um and it was it was wonderful. I mean again, like I said it's just it's opened my eyes uh, to a whole other reality so that's a that's another tie that. I don't know how much you knew existed between us. Um, but uh, I remember
0: like Den- Daniel saying that she saying that she was talking to everyone when I was applying at her place of work. She was so excited yeah. and she's, you know, <laughs> always been probably my number one ally. So I was unsurprised that she was like ready to sit down and have a talk with her. Right. With her, right. which, and you were like one of her favorite people in the world. So I, I thought that was really oh, cool. Oh, good
1: Lord. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's awesome (laughs) blushing. Okay. So, um, let's talk about you. Let's, let's, let's kind of let's, I I want, like I said, I want to just kind of dive into, um, how, how or who you are today because of, of who you've been in your life. Right. Um, so kind of just start from where you want to start, but I'm just, I'm fascinated with you.
0: Cool. Well, it was interesting. You brought up where we met. Because I remember being uh, like super disappointed that I wasn't gonna get to work with Danielle, and then the next job, the the job that I did end up getting, I that was when I experienced my like first like way full blown uh, bipolar episode. So I oh, ended wow. up not. So I ended up not being able to work at all for a while. Mm, so it was kind of mm. a good thing.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay.
0: <laughs> and that was yeah. That just like reminded me of that, and just like that weird way that the universe works. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that was in 20, that was in 2017. Um, and before that, um, I had experienced, I definitely experienced mental health stuff before I'm realizing now that I probably experienced mental illness symptoms as early as like my middle childhood times, Mm. but I really remember it really coming up when I was a teenager, um, And I had this really terrible year, my freshman year of high high school was so Mm. intense. I I was still really deep into my evangelical church that I was a part of, Um, and I experienced my first experience with death, which was uh, my favorite Aunt Kate, uh, Mm. very favorite person in the world, um, committed suicide. She also mm. happened to be um, the only out LGBT person in my family. She was a bisexual mm. woman. She had, mar- she had married a man, but when I was growing up, she was always with this woman, Kathy, who was her roommate, you know?
1: Right. Um, her, her very good friend.
0: Her very good friend <laughs> that helped raise me. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so I lost her when I was 14. And mm. later, and that that was the first real, like, big nosedive into depression for me. Mm. Um, And then later that year, I also lost my grandmother, um, my grandmother, Audrey, who I called Gonda. Um, So Mm. after losing two of my favorite people in the world, I had um, been getting really close to this girl (laughs) in the theater department. We were both drama Mm. kids. Um, She was the only out... Um, only out lesbian girl at Ferris high school at the time. Mm. Um, and we so you started, knew
1: like this was like, you say she was fully out. Then she so, was like, everybody out. knew. Okay.
0: I was deep in the closet. I was Got so it. deep Got in the it. closet um, that I, that I had actually, before I met her, I had started becoming a really kind of mean spirited homophobic kind of person. I was using words that I'm super not proud mm. of using. Um, and the, uh, you know, all, all in the name of my spiritual beliefs, but really, and then but what was really happening was me being Got terrified it. of myself. This is um, the, in the,
1: in the middle of the evangelical rebellion phase.
0: Yes. <laughs> yeah. <It> ended <laughs> up being toward the end. Um, okay. because, um, so I started hanging out with this girl, um, and she was a senior in high school and I was a freshman There that mm. was definitely, there was some, there was some stuff with that. Um, but she was also a, she she was also really christian she was a much more liberal christian than i was at the time um but like literally some of our dates were just bible studies um like i remember my dad not trying to be homophobic but you know being uncomfortable with the fact that his kid was dating and like Mm. not knowing what like the sexual boundaries were and all these things um would like would like open my door and be like are you guys doing anything bad? And we were like literally Bible studying together, which we did a lot. Um, and when I, when she like, she hit on me and like told me she liked me. And at first I was like, I was, you know, I was just like, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm straight. And then like a week later, it was just eating me alive, how much I liked this girl. And, um, and it was bringing up all, you know, that wasn't the first time I had had feelings like that, but it was the first time that someone, someone, like, I had the opportunity to act on them, really. Um, and I had no room to uh, hide that part of myself anymore and also grieve my aunt and also grieve my grandmother mm. and also become a teenager. Like, I just knew that I couldn't process depression and anything anymore, like, while while keeping this inside. Like, there just mm. physically was no room. And I I was also, like, so desperate for a happy, good thing in my life. And this girl at the time was a happy, good thing. Just, like, presented to me. Just, like, someone who liked me. Yeah. Um, and so we started seeing each other. And I told my parents, like, two, like, two days later. Like, immediately. Um, and my dad was immediately right on board. I think because um, Kate, Aunt Kate, was his sister. So mm. he was already well aware of this world existing and it didn't if it did freak him out he didn't want to show me he wanted to be like the most supportive person in the world and my mom was really presented with a challenge because it brought up stuff for her and she had been going to this evangelical church with me and then unfortunately what happened my best friend at the time um outed me to my church Um, Me and my parents mm. had every intention of, and I was deeply involved. I was in youth leadership program stuff, helping teach Mm. Sunday school things. And so we were going to tell them together as a family. And then we didn't get the option because my, my best friend, at first thought she was maybe going to be okay with it. And then she completely freaked out and, you know, saw the fires of hell burning (laughs) with me in the middle. Right. Like, um, so I was invited into my pastor's wife's office and she gave me the option of either praying the gay away with her right there or, or I could um, lose my job, like both jobs that I had at the church. I could still come to church, but, I would lose all opportunities at leadership. And I walked out of there. I told her no, thank you. <laughs> and yeah. I walked out of there and I never went back. And that, which was really, I mean, what what an unfortunate way to start looking into new other faiths and other religions. Um, What a terrible way to do that, but I am glad that that was part of the outcome. And so like, that that was really like the start of my journey with, being out with my sexuality. um, And that also, I think being able to be out about my sexuality started giving me more um, freedom to think, at least think about gender stuff and start exploring Mm. gender stuff. When I first came out, I was really like, like hyper hyper feminized I was really overcompensating for the fact that I was dating a girl so I like wore stilettos to school every day teased my hair up like all the way to (laughs) high heaven like it just looked like a like a Texas Christian you know um (laughs) (laughs) like a southern I looked like a southern lady (laughs) all the time (laughs) that was my like high school thing um and then like by the time I was 18 like my dad and I went to glacier park for a camping trip and we were going to take my senior pictures there. And I was like, Hey dad, I have two different outfits that I want to take my senior pictures in. And one of them was a girl outfit. and One of them was a boy outfit, Hmm. like should have been super obvious at the time. Um, and I remember like my dad just didn't blink or act like that was weird. He was just like, yeah, okay. Like costume change. Um, and then, but it wasn't until, like, after I graduated college, I had gotten out of, uh, a few, like, uh, misadventurous, ill-informed relationships, um, and really got into the poetry community that I, like, finally really realized and had the language of, like, non-binary and they pronouns, um, like, it wasn't really until, until college that anyone I knew was talking about that, and it was super, super brand new at the time, it felt like, like, they pronouns weren't even quite a thing when I was in college. People that I knew who were non-binary were, like, making up their own pronouns and just seeing okay. what would stick. And really, they – the reason why they pronouns have exploded is because those are the first ones that stuck that, like, mm. other people could actually use. Um, yeah, so that's kind of the the gender and sexuality so, <laughs> story. Can I? Can I yeah. just,
1: like – interrupt for a second. Oh yeah. Please. With some <laughs> super ignorance here. Is that all right? Can we, yeah, can yeah, we wave the ignorance questions. flag here? <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, so, uh, now not everybody else can see you like I'm seeing you on zoom right now, yeah. but you know, I look at you and I see you, you know, you're in makeup and your, your hair yeah. is done very nicely and, you know, and big earrings and that sort yeah. of thing. And, and so, you know, I like for me, I walking down the street, I would identify you as a woman Right. Just like that. Yeah. Right. Um, so what is it, what does it mean to you to be non-binary? Like, yeah. what is that, what is the importance of that for you?
0: Right. Um, I'm, I'm actually glad that you brought up the appearance thing because today <laughs> when I knew I was going to be doing this podcast, I was like, maybe I should butch it up today, which is a thing I used to do a lot
1: Okay, is um,
0: I, um, and when I first came out, I was also much thinner than I am now. And I had Mm. much more freedom to appear differently than I do now. um, Just because of the way my body looks. Um, And I went back and forth between either like butching it up or there was this other outfit I was going to wear with like red lipstick. And I was like, red lipstick is the most feminine lipstick, which is just so (laughs) like makes no sense. But it does. If you're like in my brain and you live in like this weird gender world. Um, And so and so I decided, like, well, I'll just put on like my like cre- my like creepy femme look, so I'll, I'll look like I'll look feminine but intimidating. I would in not
1: have called it that, by the way.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, and you know, if you had, we've been having this conversation literally just like last week. Last week I couldn't even look at my lipsticks or my dresses for a few days. So my, mm. my gender identity is, uh, expr- well, my gender expression is really, really fluid. Um, okay. Where, like, I've had times, really for the past few years, I've been really comfortable with a feminine presentation. The main reason is really that, like, feminine clothes and makeup is way more creative and way more col- colorful than what boys mm. have access to. And so yeah. it's, it was, like, less about gender and more about artistry and self-expression for me. Whereas when I wear boy clothes, I'm doing it because I'm like, I don't want to even look at a dress and I don't want anyone to see my chest and all these things. Sure. But ultimately, what being non-binary means to me is that instead of identifying as a girl or as a boy, those words like don't really fully make sense to me and I identify really as mm. a person. And at any given time, those gender words... Like, they just kind of shift in and out, and like, all around me. Um, and sometimes some of them will make sense, and sometimes none of them make sense. And so mm. non-binary for me is a word that always makes sense. It mm. And same with they pronouns. Like, you know, there were times in my life where I was a little more comfortable with she, her. There were times in my life where I experimented with he, him pronouns. But, like, they is just what feels good and right 100% of the time I'm not like when I'm using the word non-binary and I'm using the word they especially because they're so vague and like can encompass such a big range of things of of experiences like you know I just get to be a person Hmm. and so that's like the most important of that piece for me and I like I said I used to butch it up way hard Part of that was that I'd never had access to looking like a boy before. So once I did, I went ham and I, I had, Oh my God. I had like these really, uh, you know, I wore like those like snapbacks, like those like Bieber hats. Um, yeah. I <laughs> I was like always in like, I was like always in a little button up and a bow tie just like, Got it.
1: yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And always um flat, like flattening my chest down and all these things and like, that was just like what was natural for me for a while but then eventually i got more comfortable kind of swinging in and out and in the middle and then also when i got my bipolar diagnosis and when i started dating a boy i started taking psych meds and i started taking birth control and that Mm. just changed my body drastically and so then Mm. femininity was just something that i had more access to and that looked good on me and it was harder to figure out what variations of masculinity felt good and looked attractive. I think I'm yeah. way more concerned with looking cute than I am with looking like a boy or a girl. That's like a good, <laughs> <laughs> that's probably the best way to describe Got it. It. Got <laughs> yeah. it.
1: Got it. Got <laughs> it. Yeah. So what I'm, what I'm hearing from you is that the, I mean, the fluidity runs in style a lot. Yeah. And so yes. in, in how you look, how you present yourself, that sort of thing, but there is no internal compass that points towards an arrow or a plus sign there's just like it, yeah it it's just that part doesn't exist for you it's
0: it it kind of depends because there are moments okay like recently i went off the hormonal birth control and like i said suddenly last week i couldn't i couldn't look at my lipsticks or at my dresses for a whole week and i had to go to target right then and there and get like t-shirts from the boys section and stuff Um, so there are moments in my life where I'm like really connected to one kind of expression or another, but in terms of the words, boy, girl, like those are the things that I'm not really connected to. Hmm. So I'll have dysphoria sometimes or an internal sense of wanting to kind of be on this side of the spectrum or the other, but that is pretty inconsistent. And definitely what's the most consistent. And when I feel best is really when I'm just like, I'm a person, I'm just a person.
1: Yeah. Like.
0: Just take off all the other stuff
1: right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. So um I I have to imagine just because in my sphere of the world yeah. and you know those who who carry many of my lenses, the the sideline conversations that have been growing as the non-binary um, expression has become more, uh, uh, more talked about. I'll say that. Yeah. Um. And so more known. Yes. Um, yeah. In the in public, it, has this been? You know, has has your um has your journey in 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 like coming to the truth of yourself and all this? Ha, has it been brutal? I mean, have, do you do you put up with so much bullshit from people? <laughs> <laughs> or, or do people in large part just, I mean, do they just roll their eyes? Do they, I mean, right. because, because the biggest thing that I hear, and I hear, I hear this all the time, you know, you know, they, them, theirs. Well, there's only one of them. Oh you my know? God.
0: Which is hilarious. Right. <laughs> because <laughs> that one's one of my favorites. Right. Because <laughs> people have actually been using singular they, like, as long as English <laughs> has existed, they just didn't realize they were using it. Like what sure. I just did right there what I just right. did saying they, like, if, <laughs> if you just happen to have not seen the person, therefore you didn't know their gender expression, you'll just say like, Oh, they, Oh, someone forgot their phone. They forgot their phone. Like we don't. Y-
1: yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah yeah. So yeah. yeah. So it's
0: funny, but it's um, but the reason why it trips people up so much is because they, they, they see one thing, therefore they think one thing, they make their assumption Right. And then, and then now they have to re relearn. They have to train their mouth to do something different. Um, and yes. yeah, unfor- unfortunately, I've had well, I've had a really wonderful community. Like the poetry community it was incredible and really embraced me. And there were like, si- like cisgender straight leaders in that community that really worked their butts off to get it right and to make the space welcoming. Hmm. So Mm. there were some amazing allies, really, in the Mm. poetry community, Danielle being one of them. Mm. Um, That Isaac Isaac Rambo would be the previous host of Spoken Poetry Slam. He was amazing. And then Mark Anderson, who was was my partner now and was an organizer at the time, was amazing. But what's Mm. been really hard, I mean, the reason why I used to Like anytime I would do something like this, an interview or something, I would always flatten my chest and I would always put on a button up. And like I said, I would butch it up. And that was because like cis people would see me as more valid if I looked more gender variant, if I looked more androgynous. But if I was like wearing a skirt and lipstick, it was like, what, what, what's the big deal that you're making Then, if you like wearing skirts and lipstick, why can't I call you a girl? Which is yeah. really just like a basic Why, why misunderstanding. look the
1: part and not want to be called the part?
0: Yeah, exactly. Which is just a total <laughs> misunderstanding of what the parts Got are. It. And Got I, was it. A, Got it. I was a gender studies major in college. So I already knew that gender was socially constructed. And it c- is completely different in different cultures. You know, it's like, it's much more fluid in general than mm. like, than, you know, than we like to think of it, you know, especially in more conservative areas in the U.S., the hardest, I think most annoying thing for me wasn't people who just outright hated me, but were the people who were like, "Oh my god, of course I accept you" and literally never tried to get my pronouns right once. And that <laughs> is a huge percentage. <laughs> like, I still like love these people and care about these people, but like it's the people who are like, "Oh, I totally get it" and then like don't actually try. Whereas like the people who are visibly uncomfortable and they're like Oh my God, I'm going to mess up. Like, but I actually hear them actually get it right. Like at least once in a six month period, I'm like, Oh my God, good job. Like way to go. Um, yeah. So, but, um, yeah.
1: I, I have another question for you yes. um, and it, and it has to do with what you've talked about already. Um, your dad sounds amazingly supportive of you in your life.
0: Yeah. Um, my, yeah. Me and my dad have a really close relationship. Um, we always hmm. have, and he doesn't, you know, he doesn't fully un- even understand like the non-binary stuff, but okay. he just, act- he's just such an active listener and it's just, it's just an ad- he's just like naturally an advocate for me. And he just operates from like a baseline of, well, I love you and your suffering is real and I want to help. Um, yeah. You know, like he he's probably one of those people that uses my pronouns like once every few months. Uh, But he gets my name right every time. Now he teaches my little my little sister about my name. He really advocated for me. That's right. Because you changed
1: your you changed your name in this process, too. I did.
0: I did. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So my last name is Fitzpatrick. so That's where Fitz comes from. And it it was a nickname. I'd already kind of had a teensy bit, but also it was my dad's nickname. So mm. it was kind of a not, it was really, it was kind of honoring him when I picked that name. Sure. And then Emerald, I've only recently started also going by Emerald, but that's my birth middle name is Emerald. Okay. So it's my real okay. name.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Okay.
0: <laughs> yeah. I Got feel it. like, especially cause I identify as a witch, people see that I have a gemstone as a name and they're like, Oh my God, <laughs> like big eye roll. And I'm like, no, I was born with that man. That's, that's mine." <laughs>
1: right. Right. Yeah. Okay. So we're, we're definitely gonna have to get to the, the witch conversation yeah. at some point in time too. But, but before we do that, I, I just wanted to kind of touch on something that you, you know, as, as part of your dad being really supportive um, as part of your coming out journey yourself in high school um, that y- you kind of just said something quickly. And I'd, I'd love for you to expand yeah. it on it a little bit more because I, I know that in the Deeply evangelical, conservative, white, cisgendered, heterosexual community, male or female. um, One of the things that you hear a lot is that, you know, well, you know, that guy is gay because he was abused by his mom or, you know, or or so on or some Mm variants of that story. Right. Okay. You, you aren't in that category. So you, there is, there is. You know, for you, you are talking about this internal thing like this, this internal angst that you had when, you know, when this when this girl professed, you know, feelings for you and you denied those. And in a sense, you were denying yourself is what it sounds like, and then just had this intense internal conflict over it.
0: Yeah.
1: For you, can you, can you just talk about that a little bit more? Because I,
0: yeah,
1: I imagine there are still today, even as, and I, and I think we've been, I mean, when I think back, you know, over the 45 years of my life, the leaps and bounds, we have come to being accepting of the, uh, of the LGBTQIA plus community, mm-hmm. um, knowing, not saying we've arrived, God, God, I'm not saying that, but, but there has been leaps and bounds oh, I yeah, think, a forward movement. Okay. yeah. So, um, in that, uh, what, what, like, what was that internal? I mean, can you just kind of dive yeah. into that a little bit more? Cause I, I know there's probably still people that they're that dealing with that themselves. They're like, there's something there and they're denying, denying, denying. I just love to, yeah. to hear you talk about it a little
0: bit more. Yeah. My, uh, first crush on a woman, I was in fifth grade and she was my mm. dance teacher. Um, and she was a very pretty, like, college sophomore. And I was 10 years old. <laughs> yeah. And I thought she was so pretty and so cool. Um, and, you know, at first it was just like, oh, wow, I really admire this person. But, you know, I, I hit puberty around 10 years old. So that was like when, okay. you know, yeah. all the feelings start coming up. And then there was just like, like, the way I felt about in sync. And Justin Timberlake when I was seven was suddenly the way I felt about this dance teacher. And I had already heard from kids at school the word gay. And I knew it was the worst thing in the world you could be. The number one worst thing in the world you could be. My parents didn't say this to me. Like, you know, but like, and I wasn't even in church. Like at the time, I wasn't a part of a conservative community even. But that's mm-hmm. just like what it was. Um, And, and I, I internalized all of that. And so when I had those feelings, like, um, like I, I like almost didn't go back to dance class and it was Mm. just like constantly like being around this really pretty dance teacher just brought up this, like brought up those feelings and then brought up this shame, this horrible, Mm. horrible shame. Mm. Um, and then, and that was a thing that I, on and off, anytime I'd get that feeling toward like a female friend or something, like the shame would come. And I was just, I got really good at compartmentalizing it and just mm. shoving it down and shoving it down. And what I told myself was like, well, I've had crushes on boys too. So I'm probably bisexual. So therefore I can just pretend it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Hilariously enough, I have ended up with a man in a long-term relationship. Um, (laughs) But I know that wouldn't have happened um, if I hadn't have like done this whole journey. Um,
1: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But so, yeah, just that. And then when that girl in high school, when she came up, I just had no, I like the feeling came and then, and and like the shame was there, but I was like, I was like, I, I can't do that. I just can't do it anymore. Like
1: mm. I
0: couldn't handle, like my feet, like my feelings for her were so overwhelming that the shame was so unimportant at that point mm. because someone mm. really cool and really nice, um, had, had these feelings for me. And I had those feelings and something that's like, I think was awesome about me as a teenager and also got me into so much trouble is that I have such intense, big feelings that like, when I love someone, I love them all the way immediately, unconditionally, so fast. And when you're a teenager, that's even more intense. And so luckily I couldn't see all the consequences right away. I just knew I was like madly in love with her, like all of a sudden. And it was just, and that, that made me brave. Like Mm. that feeling of love and that feeling of excitement and that feeling of being seen by her, it just, it just made telling people feel so small and it wasn't small. Like I cried the whole time that I told my dad, I mean, my dad told my mom, like I was, I was definitely scared, but like, I was so much more in love than I was scared. And like, that's totally the beauty of being a queer person. Like that's what it is for us every day. Mm.
1: Okay, I <laughs> there is so I mean we like I feel like we've just scratched the surface here. Okay. <laughs> but I'm 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 looking at the time right now and I'm and I'm thinking I there's definitely some things I wanna give time to. Yeah. Um, and and so I'm gonna say right now, um, that I, I I would, I would love if we could record a part two in yeah, the very totally. near future. Okay. Yeah. Um, Cause I think the, the whole, uh, evangelical journey and journey to, you know, where you're at today, um, and the witch conversation, all that kind of stuff, yeah. you know, as is, is fascinating as that is, is that would be, I think it needs more space. Right. Um, and so. Yeah what i what i'd like to do with just the the little bit of time that we have left here is i'd i'd really like to talk about your passion um and 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 what that looks like in your life how how you're engaging in it what kinds of things you're actively at work in and then that will lead us into the, you know the the you know the kind of the, the final questions i have for you which is how can we you know, how can we kinda of help to work to open our own lenses and, and join in some of these efforts, right? Yeah. So, and again, you, you, you know, we talked about this just very briefly at the, the beginning, but, you know, helping queer and transgender young people stay alive um, and then um, not just be alive, not just remain living, but then what it sounds like here too, how to interpret it is to then then to enjoy life, to, to express yes. their authentic selves. Yes. Um, can we, can we just talk about that a little bit? And if, yeah. and if you want to incorporate, you know, mental illness work that you do there too, because I, I think yes. there's, it sounds like there's probably some crossover. They are intimately as well.
0: connected. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So talk about that a little bit. Like what does that work look like for you?
0: Yeah. So, um, through my own journey with horrible mental health problems Um, I came to the conclusion when I finally got my bipolar diagnosis and I also for a while qualified for a diagnosis of borderline personality disorder, which is one of the most stigmatized mental illnesses you can have. Um, I no longer qualify for it, which is awesome. It's curable, which people don't know. Really cool. My bipolar, not so curable. (laughs) I have to be medicated for that consistently, probably forever. Um, but when I finally got that, um, it was actually when I was in the psych ward that I was like, mm. I want to be a counselor. And I, because that's who, that's who literally kept me alive. Um, mm. I've had several therapists over the last you know decade or so. Um, and like my child, like my childhood therapist was like, probably it was like the first, um, like just like the first like big advocate other than my dad that I really had, Um, and that changed my life. Like, because like, unfortunately, like that relationship I had with that wonderful girl, like we were both pretty sick, um, and we were both Mm. rejected by our churches and rejected by so many people. Um, and she was, she had a lot of really severe mental health stuff and I learned everything I knew about like self-harm and all these terrible Mm. things, like from, from her, like from her struggle, um.
1: Her self coping mechanisms. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Like, and the, like the shame she had, I, I, I took on completely because I, I, I loved her and we loved each other and mm. it was not great. Um, but like my, like, because I could tell my counselor about it, like she was the one who taught me how to, dif- how to differentiate my feelings from other people and like taught me how to be my own person. And then later when I, um, got my bipolar diagno- diagnosis and was in an intensive outpatient program. Like, my like therapists were the one who were giving me tools to like battle the world. Hmm. That like, while everything felt so stacked against me as a non-binary person and as a person with a mental illness, <laughs> like I mean, I had like a huge gap on my resume that like I had to explain to every employer after that. Oh, right? God,
1: yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um,
0: so that whole experience. And, and my experience in therapy as a teenager, like I, I just wanted to give that back and i had i'd already worked for a little bit for an organization called um i think they're called odyssey youth movement now and they're like the only gay youth group in spokane and they have been for decades <laughs> and they're this amazing institution i've never that, heard of this oh my god yeah that's like every every like queer high schooler you know has probably been to odyssey at one point oh, wow. in their life okay. so it's this beautiful place so i had already worked a little bit with them and worked with teenagers there um hmm. i worked uh briefly i worked at crosswalk teen shelter um and I was especially connecting to the queer youth there um and yeah I just realized that like learning how to handle your me- your mental health learning how to cope with the world that is the biggest piece of agency that I can give these teenagers mm-hmm. is learning how learning how to be healthy despite a world that literally doesn't want them to be sometimes mm-hmm. um you know learning you know I think what was super important for me was like in therapy learning what a healthy relationship looks like because that wasn't on tv for queer kids like back then it's more and more now but like you know the rates of like domestic violence and abuse are just as strong in the queer community as they are among um, heterosexual couples yeah there's just all this stuff and i realized like you know this is just like where my skill set is and where my passion is. Like, I love, I love talking to people. I love listening to their stories. Um, And I know that like queer youth are so resilient that they're like, they'll be like in, you know, the quicksand and they literally just need someone to hand them a stick. And that stick is just an adult who says, I love you. And I want to listen to Mm. you and I want to help you. And they will, and they will climb themselves out of the quicksand. Yeah. 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 Mm.
1: So, one of the, I think the, and again, I'm going to say by those with, generally with my lenses, okay? One of the misunderstandings or miscaricatures maybe that, you know, when you talk about mental health issues and, you know, the queer community, there's an automatic correlation that's drawn there well. Yeah. And it's like, you're, you know, you're, you're either queer because you have mental health issues right. <laughs> or you have mental health issues because you're queer. Right. right. Yes.
0: Um,
1: and, and, and that I think is, is one of those things that it comes from, I, and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to offer something. And then you tell me if I'm, yeah. if I'm seeing it incorrectly or not, that, uh, I, I think it comes from a, a couple of places. Uh, it, it I actually wonder if there may be some element of truth to it because of how horribly we have treated our young people, and so maybe there actually is a correlation of of the one way yes. of more hem- yes. mental health issues um, being uh, or being taken on by um, not yes. taken on. That's the wrong language. Yeah, I, mean, I know what you mean. By the queer by by queer youth, basically, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm developing more mental health issues. I, yes. I guess is the right way to say it. The, the second thing I would say is that it it's probably not that far off from the heterosexual cisgendered community right. either though. right It's just that heterosexual cis, cisgendered community is just so much better at hiding shit. <laughs> um, because I mean, right? Yeah I yeah. mean that it's like because we're we're desperately afraid to be found out as opposed yeah. to moving into truth moving into an acknowledgement yes. of of living out our reality it's instead it's tons of stuffing and hiding and you know and yeah. so yeah is that a fair assessment do you yeah, I mean do you I think, think there's validity to that or i
0: think you've hit you've hit uh, the nail on the head uh, yeah, you know what I mean, in a couple of ways. Um, so when you said like the correlation between like mental illness and LGBT youth, yes, there is a correlation. LGBT youth do experience higher rates of mental illness. Correlation is not causation, right? So we know those things are related, sure. but there's a third factor in between. That third factor is almost unequivocally researched um, and it's rejection. Rejection ah. is the thing. Mm. That is, mm. rejection is causes like internal stress and day and daily like little t traumas like you would not believe the stress of living with rejection Hmm. that is what kills transgender teenagers because when transgender teenagers have even one parent that is moderately like just kind of accepting of them their rates of suicide go way down and their rates of mental health go way up yeah so we know Hmm. that for teenagers. Reject, like, rejection is such a huge piece for why there is a correlation between being, being LGBT and being sick, but also, because being LGBT is so hard, we do have, I think we do have higher rates of seeking help. So when you Mm -hmm. were saying about, like, not stuffing things down, like, when you've already told the world, like, your deepest, darkest secret, then sure. telling the world that you're also anxious is like totally not that hard anymore.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And you've probably already had to talk to a school counselor or you've had to go to a therapist, especially if you're transgender, because transgender youth, they can't physically transition until they've seen, usually seen a counselor and gotten like right. a letter and stuff. Um, and so that's over is, a
1: period of like years,
0: too. Yeah. Right. So I, I mean, I, yeah. Yeah. So I think we like, we go, we, we have to go see helping professionals more for a variety of reasons. So we're overrepresented in a clinical population, but also it's that third factor for teenagers of rejection. Um, and you, you see, I mean, and that that just causes like so much toxic stress in your body and in your life, Hmm. um, that it can, that it can turn into a mental illness.
1: Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I have these three questions that I like to ask all of my guests. Um, And and I think this is very important to not just listen and to try to take on um, a a little bit of the view through your lenses, which of course is, I mean, you know, we can't fully take that on, but we can, but we can make attempts at that to try to see a differently colored world. Right. But this part, these questions are specifically um, pointed towards our involvement then like, like I, because I believe that, um, that once you see, you can't unsee. Yes. And once you see, there is a level of responsibility that you take on. And so for someone who's close minded and wants to stay close minded, they should be really careful Mm -hmm. to not to not see things they don't want to see. Right. Right. Yeah. It, it becomes increasingly more intentional to not see. So, because there's responsibility that comes on. it. so these are, I, yeah. I consider these like responsibility questions. Okay. So the the first thing is, is that, um, it, what is, what is the one thing that those with my lenses? Um, and you know, I've talked about those before I've sent you the list of, you know, what I, what I kind of see as my lenses have done that, that have made life difficult for you Um, and specifically like we there's things that we've done that make it make life
0: difficult that's a really good question Um, I think the biggest thing is like when folks are unwilling to even be educated um, and Mm -hmm. when folks have this idea that they have to understand you in order to respect you and that's not true. Oh. Mm. That's not true. Mm. There are plenty of things that I don't understand that like people like, you know, I don't understand call of duty and I never will. But if you tell me <laughs> that you love call of duty and you love video games, I'm going to say like, good for you. Tell me more about that. What <laughs> what's, what's it about call of duty? Um, so, That's so great. Yeah, I think that's, I think that is the biggest thing. And it's like, I mean, and if you do seek understanding, it really does make a huge difference. I think sometimes the queer community gets painted, like, especially as like, we're all like, we're all angry, and we all hate you. And that's like, Mm -hmm. I mean, we are angry sometimes, like, we have a lot to be angry about. But like, my, Mm. my experience, especially in Spokane, like, is that, Any queer person that is like, especially transgender person that is out here is like so willing to work with everyone and like just so Mm. desperately wants to be accepted Mm -hmm. that like, you know, we'll like, we'll hold your hand like the whole way there. Like so many of us do that. Um, And and like some, not, not all of us, so many of us are happy too. So like being willing to seek understanding, but also realizing that you can respect someone without understanding.
1: Mm. That's so good. So good. Okay. So in line with that then, yeah, um, what, it's the one thing that you wish that those with my lenses would understand then?
0: Yeah. Um, I'm going to get really specific to my identity and okay. pronouns, which is just that pronouns are not as hard or as scary as you think. And it seems impossible at first. And I totally get why, because I was not always out and I was not out when I worked at a queer youth group um, I just had a lot of trans teenagers that I worked with. So I had to memorize new names and pronouns like every day. But mm-hmm. what that experience taught me was like, oh, this isn't a thing you're naturally good at or bad at. It's just a matter of practice. And the mm-hmm. easiest way to learn they, them, theirs pronouns is spend like one week and just use they pronouns for all your cis friends. They won't notice. They will not yeah. notice at all. Yeah. Um, and you will suddenly get really good at it. And what I've mm. started to do is just assume that someone uses they, because it's gender neutral. It's a safer assumption until until someone tells me otherwise. Mm. Um, and that's made it so much easier because I mess up people's pronouns all the time too. Trans people do it too. Like yeah. we're not perfect either. Like mm. I've heard like it's a part of all of our journey to mess up our own pronouns at least once. Like we've all done it. <laughs> um, so, you know, so I guess the big thing I'm saying is like, making a mistake is so much better than not trying at all. Mm. And we, and we notice, we can tell when someone is just avoiding talking about us or is avoiding using pronouns at all versus someone who goes like, Oh, fit. She, Oh, I mean, they did this and it's fine. And I'm like, Oh my God, you tried. Thank you.
1: Yeah. 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 yeah, Okay. Now I I had to say, I think you're being way too gracious. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> I, I think I there are just some legitimate assholes
1: sexual. out there. <laughs> yeah, <That's laughs> that just yeah, and 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 that's one of the things that um that you know if I could if I can take an opportunity to interject something here that it would be that I wish that those with with my lenses who are wanting to be and we'll talk about this in a second wanting to be allies and advocates for the queer community um, that that we would be much better about calling out the assholes. That's, that's what I wish, is that, you know, so that, you know, when somebody, that, that you wouldn't have to say, it's they, we would be like, hey, buddy, it's they. You right. Know, get it right. right. You know? right. <laughs> um, yeah, And but that's, but I, I just think that there's, um, and I, and I know there, are, I, I agree with you. There are people who, I mean, mistakes happen. Mistakes yeah. happen. Um, yeah.
0: And well, and what I'll say with that is like, um, what I tend to do, um, with that is like when someone's like messing up a lot, I'll usually either like take them in private or I'll just like adamantly use that person's pronouns correctly and they'll figure it out and they'll be like oh my god like yeah oh my god I'm so sorry um but that is a huge part of it is keeping other people accountable too you're right that's huge it starts (laughs) with yourself though you know
1: it's yes. that like they, yes it does another person's right. eye you. logging yes. your own
0: that, yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes well said thank you thank you okay uh so the 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 last of the the three questions um and this one's so near and dear to me um how can those with my lenses be appropriate allies and advocates for you and i and i really i stress appropriate also because um i know that you know white saviorism, you know, doesn't right. just extend to race issues, right? <laughs> that there's, there's some of us who, who get this idea that we're going to become allies and advocates. And then we kind of trample all over you in the process. You know? <laughs> and so, so oh, how yeah. can we be appropriate allies and advocates for you?
0: Um, I think, you know, like I said, the first thing is working on yourself and when you do so like you know making sure you're using someone's correct pronouns um and making sure you're you know go out and seek education on the internet like i said like i'm super happy to educate people but not every trans person is some some of us are really tired um some of us like don't some of us aren't teachers either like some of us are like i don't know this is just who i am um and then like like definitely you know speak speaking out against the injustice is really important Um, you know, especially people who are like being evil. Like if you're, you know, like a politician is like saying that, you know, uh, non-binary genders don't exist, for instance, um, (laughs) you know, being like this sucks and that's not true. That is really important. But I think more than that, um, more than calling out the negative stuff, I think calling in your calling in the people around you and being willing to have difficult, but compassionate conversations Mm. with them because if you like, and this is the thing I've thought about as a white person wanting to educate other white people on race, but it totally applies to cis people educating each other on gender stuff is that like me just making fun of a white person being mean or whatever, like it doesn't do anything to help people of color. Mm. Me being willing to have a conversation and be like, Hey, where do your ideas about race come from? Like, let's have a real conversation about this. Did you know like, all like why all lives matter sounds kind of like, Sounds mm. kind of awful. Let's have a conversation. That, I think being willing to do that with the people closest to you and the mm. people you know are going to be interacting with trans people is so important. It's those everyday one-on-one conversations. Um, and, you know, like beyond, and then beyond that, like just listening to trans people when they talk, listening to their stories, assume that they're not making it up. Like when people talk about yeah. terrible things and mm. people talk about, mm gender discrimination if you've never experienced before it can be hard to imagine like wow is it really that bad assume that when someone's talk, talking about a story mm. like that that it's true and that it really is that wow. hard
1: wow yeah okay yeah that is so good that is so good thank you that's a that's a and, and, and again that the love conquers all kind of philosophy yes. too right yeah that um you know, war begets war, but, but yeah, conquers all. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just, that that's fantastic. Thank you. Um, well, listen, like I said, we, I feel like we just scratched the surface here. Um, and you know, we'll, we'll talk here in a bit about, you know, booking a, another time. Hopefully yeah. if you're up for it, yeah, Yeah. Definitely.
0: Um, this was fun. where
1: we can, where we can dive into like, think like this whole other sphere of things, yes. you know, it's <laughs> that, that wildly fascinating to me too. Um, but, but for today's conversation, I just have to say, I just, I, I enjoyed it so much. I'm so glad that, uh, that Danielle reached out to you and, and said, Hey, would you, would this be interesting to you? Yeah. <laughs> Cause this has been, this has been so great for me. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you so much for having me. I'm really all about, I'm. I'm just it. It's it's so rare for me to have a straight white dude be like, I really want to talk to you about this. <laughs> <I guess. laughs> like that is not an experience I have every day. So I I yeah. was really stoked about it. And any education I can help with helps the teenagers that i that I want to work with. So I feel like well, it's an important part awesome. of what I do. Yeah.
1: It's a yeah yeah. And I, I agree. And we and um and I want to learn more about your your work too. And so that's that's something that I think we should we should spend some more time talking
0: about this definitely well. so
1: right on all right so for now um then we'll uh, we'll say goodbye to everybody but uh but look forward to another time here in the near future where we can talk again so, yay thanks so much fit thank you all right bye we'll
0: everyone <laughs>